Hi, everyone. Uh, I just wanted to give kind of a big update on where I am in life and like this podcast and everything, just because it's obviously been so long since the last episode came out and um, just a lot has happened. Uh, the big thing is that about a month ago I moved. Um, I'm sure most people know, like I still live with my parents and my parents recently bought a new house and it's out in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) but you know, my parents are getting older, so I really had to help them with everything and they just have mounds and mounds and mountains of stuff. (laughs) So like even before the move, basically any free time I had, we were filling up moving trucks, moving all this, like, just, you know, packing boxes and moving, um, even before the big moving day where we did all the big furniture and beds and, and hired, like, movers and stuff like that. So that's what occupied my time before. Um, and then after, and, well, I guess kind of during as well, is uh, since you know, the pandemic and COVID restrictions lifted in Canada, my summer job started again and they asked me to come back and obviously I need a job. So, uh, I did that. Now, again, for those who don't know, uh, I work for like this boat cruise company and they asked me to be kind of one of their main bartenders because they also have a patio on land on the docks and they wanted me to do that. And right now in Canada, basically every restaurant and bar and most minimum wage jobs are just starved for help and employees. Like everywhere is understaffed. If you go to any restaurant, bar, whatever, you'll see a help wanted sign and them begging for people to come work. And it is the same thing at the company I work for. Um, so basically I've just been working like insane amounts. Most weeks I definitely work like 50 hour weeks, uh, doing lots of doubles. Some weeks I'll do like three, four double shifts in a row. So I wake up at 9am. I get home at 1am. Um, Now, of course, I do get the occasional day off. Most of the time I get like, you know, I work like 13 days in a row and then get one day off. And, you know, as much as I love doing the podcast and writing and stuff like that, it is impossible to like build up the energy to do something on that day off. You know what I mean? Like I sleep basically the day away and then I wake up and it's just the passion, the drive, the energy, it's just not there. It is, uh, you know, most days I don't even, or when I have that day off, I don't like play video games or watch TV. Like I just am so (laughs) dead. I'm so dead that I just like sit there and that puts me in an even worse mood because I feel like I'm wasting my own time when I have my limited free time. And then I just like think myself into a terrible mood. And, uh, you know, it, it's hurt the other part of my career, my writing career with Twinfinite and Jump Cut Play. Um, 
because, you know, uh, I'd sign up to do articles, I'd pitch something, you know, whatever. And then uh, the editors or Andrew or somebody is like, yo, where's this thing you like said you're going to do? And I just have to pretty much beg and plead and explain to them, like, I literally don't have the free time. You know what I mean? Like, I can't get home after a 15-hour shift and force myself to write a feature. It's just, it's not, um, it's just not something I can do. I know other people in the, in the industry might be able to do that. And God knows I wish I could I could be like those people, but I just can't. And they, but they've been super understanding and I've definitely had some people in my corner fighting for me and I've explained, uh, to those people. So basically, and for you guys, so you guys know what's going to happen is I am done my full-time job, the bartending job at the end of October, which is about two months away. Um, and after that, I, I take the winter off and focus on writing full-time, um, so what I'm going to just push myself to do and this <laughs> telling all the listeners this and um, everyone else, all my you know friends and family bosses is I'm going to finally do my absolute damnedest in the months between like November and April to just get a full time writing job and finally just take the plunge. And I really hope it happens because as much as I'm. I am having fun at my bartending job and I've met so many great people and I just feel like it's a good fit for me. Um, I just, you know, every day uh, I just, I'm working and I'm thinking like, wow, I wish I was writing. Wow, I wish I could work in a field that I'm passionate about. And that's the thing about when you know what you want to do in life and you know what your calling is, doing anything else just is so disheartening and frustrating and it can really break you down because you feel like you're just wasting your time pretty much obviously everybody needs a job and to make a living and i wish i could make a living off freelance writing right now but it's just not doable and with this job and working the amount of hours i can take the winter off and i get laid off so i can go on unemployment while i'm trying to focus on that and obviously I will go hard into this podcast as well because it just just the thought of doing it and like editing the episodes and talking to guests. I've made so many good friends from this like it it is what drives me during those 15 hour shifts where I'm tired as hell and just um, having a hard time, you know, Um so yeah, just uh, thank you for being patient. Thank you for the support. Uh, I'm sorry this episode took so long to come out. And I'm sorry this intro was so long. Um, just thank you. Uh, I really, really hope you enjoy this episode. Chaz was a fantastic guest. He It, it was a dream to do this with him. Um, he's one of my favorite content creators, YouTube streamers, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he's an excellent guy. And uh, I will definitely be asking him to come on sometime in the future. Um, as I explained in the episode, I haven't played Genealogy of the Holy War, but Chaz is such an expert and he's so passionate about it that I thought, like, we need to talk about this game. I know it's his favorite. Um, 
So yeah, go check out his stuff. Go check out his YouTube channel. Watch his streams. Support him in any way you can or want. Uh, it would mean the world to me. And again, thank you. All right, hello and welcome everybody to episode seven of Memory Card Memoirs. And I gotta say, this one's... I know I say every episode is special, but this one's actually fucking special. <laughs> it, uh, me and me and the guest put in, I wouldn't say a lot of work, but we communicated well to try and make this happen, I think, and, and I appreciate that from him. Uh, my guest this episode is Chaz Aria LLC, or Chupi Choosy, whichever one he prefers. Love them both. What's going on, man? Hey, my dude. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Uh, you can call me whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> pronouns in bio, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or, or proper nouns in bio. Yeah. Choops, Choopy, um, Mecha 2. I go by all those. Mecha 2? Never heard that one. On, on occasion, Love. just as a joke. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've communicated this to you, but uh, I don't want to make it all weird and feely but you are definitely one of my favorite content creators on youtube as a platform oh thank you uh, that means a lot when yeah. back in 2019 when three houses came out i like took some days off work to write guides for three houses and I was, like, doing them, and I was so fucking proud of them. <laughs> they were super basic. And then, like, I watched your videos, like, a couple weeks later. And I was like, damn, man, this is this is good stuff. This is the hot shit. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm pretty proud of a lot of those. Um, a lot of the – my probably the one I, I like the most is probably um, – and it's the one I that has, like, the least amount of views is uh, the Gambit, the, the uh, Gambit one. Yeah, just because there wasn't any there, a lot of the information I presented there was the first time we ever found out about like um, uh, st uh, endurance, how mm -hmm. that worked and stuff like that. Nobody had that. We, I had a bunch of people just like testing things and figuring it out for themselves. So that was a really good one. I, I yeah, I really like those videos. And it and it was sort of like a um, I have a hard time restraining myself to a time limit, and since like when you put out these guides, it's all about getting them out as fast as you can. Yeah. You know, it's like, I have to like take concessions and be like, okay, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> work <laughs> like three days on this one transition when it's really, when I got to get this out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they were fun to do. I'm glad you enjoyed them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell, tell the viewers kind of, who you are what you do i know that's like a super broad question and people always freeze up but <laughs> mm -hmm. what uh what is it you do Chaz? um i just make videos that i'm i uh i i spend a lot of time on like maybe like three or four videos a year usually <laughs> and i started off with fire emblem heroes and then when that got boring when the power creep happened i moved on to fire emblem and now i'm trying to do whatever I want really at this point <laughs> there's a lull in Fire Emblem content yeah. and I think a lot of people are burned out I am in, uh, myself so I uh, am just uh, experimenting with other types of content but yeah the, the whole thing is just to provide a, a video that's uh, that holds up as a video and not really just like a reddit post with 
<laughs> that's that's like red on on screen with footage in the background. I yeah. want my videos to like stand on their own as actual videos. Oh, so. they've always got. To me, your videos have always got personality. I know that's like kind of cliche, but it's like even compared to somebody like Stevie or Goosephone, Like, if I saw, if I didn't know who you are and saw one of your videos, like it's like this this feels very different. And like everyone else has their own styles, but I, with your content in general, it feels like there's a sense of being informative but entertaining, which yeah, that, that's which yeah. Oh, I was gonna say that that's one of the the definitely things in the forefront of my mind when I make this shit or, or sorry this <laughs> these videos because like uh, a lot of people in the Fire Emblem sphere, they're. They kind of. Uh, it's it's hard it's hard it's hard to distinguish them from everybody else because yeah. of uh, you know, look at their thumbnails you look at their the way they set things up it's kind of like people get melted mel together so I would it, especially when I was taking those making those guides like I'm I'm really good friends with um, Stevie and I would I reached out to him like I'm, my goal is to you know because before that. Stevie was the guy who made guides. I was like, my goal is to have my guides look nothing like yours. <laughs> and I think he got upset about that, but I, <laughs> I worded it really baffled poorly. But yeah, um, it's just like, because I just see like everyone kind of their thumbnails all look alike and they all kind of adopt the same sort of formatting. I think like, you know, the, the, everyone's thumbnails look like Jake's or Cyanios. <laughs> That's what I've noticed. And uh, people have a tendency to meld everyone into one yeah. fire emblem obelisk cr creator do so you, do you find that yeah. frustrating like do you would you still now say like oh i'm a fire emblem youtuber or content creator yeah right now i would but like again the end goal was for me is just to talk about games that i'm like really uh passionate about passionate mm -hmm. enough to make you know a, a video that takes like three or four months to focus on to like it has to be driven by the passion behind it and at that moment it was fire emblem it is fire emblem but going forward who knows like my my old my dream is to make like a uh like just a, a top 20 like it's always been since before i even had a channel just to make a fucking <laughs> top 20 best video games of all time list but i want it to be uh mm -hmm. i don't know i just want it to be i've been waiting for it because i don't know so yeah, su substantial, right? Like you want it to actually matter, not just be something you should. Yeah, exactly. Content, and it, like right? again, it has to. If it's if it's something that because the the videos take so long to make, um, it has to be a subject matter that I'm I'm really into to justify and to drive. Mm -hmm. um, just sitting there <laughs> and and working on like you know ten seconds of footage per day because. Yeah, because uh, you want it. To, you want it to be um, a, a, an experience for the person watching, and not just like a uh, mm -hmm. disposable thing. One of uh, another one of my favorite videos is your one on permadeath, and I know that uh, you said it influenced the development of Dark that's what Deity. He said. Yeah, that's what. That's yeah. That's wild, man. That's you know, that's like a direct response to your content yeah, it's, like it was cool to i could imagine say that uh chip who was a really nice guy uh by the way um 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Uh, I'm really proud of that video in particular because, like, <laughs> it's hard to make argumentative videos, especially in the Fire Emblem community, because, you know, people will... You can come up with, like, the most solid argument ever and, like, have no holes in it, and people will still find a way to dismantle it in some way. Uh, I think my first... I, I think my first argumentative video was about sacred stones and why i think it's a poorly uh, designed game um and i just had one error (laughs) visual error and everyone like picked it apart because of that it had nothing to do with my argument but besides that it was also a poorly structured video that like had this like weird section where i preemptively preemptively addressed comments that never happened and if you have a good (laughs) argument you shouldn't have to do that so in my i learned a lot from that video um and i always wanted if i'm making an argument video it has to have i wanted to have a positive impact on the way people view um the discourse of the series so when I get like, you know, why are people using, why are people even playing on classic mode? Why you, when you're just going to reset anyways, like who gives? So I, my whole argument was that, you know, people are viewing permadeath as pointless because why would you ever want to keep your units? Why you're trying to keep your units alive. And I'm like, no, the reason why permadeath has a point is because there, there's a reason to keep your units dead. And it's actually an option. It's like, it's akin to a very, elegantly simple piece of qol that uh, that facilitates the gameplay and doesn't diminish it and that was something that was very hard to sell because it's like you know permadeath is qol that's Mm -hmm. ridiculous but um yeah i really like that one too yeah thanks for (laughs) tim like i know this is gonna be a little controversial like because you're much more in the fire emblem community Mm -hmm. than i am obviously but the stuff i always see is like the classic donkey argument of people being like oh you are nitpicking and biased like shut up and it's like man i'm i'm trying to like like you said i do this i put out this content it takes me like Mm -hmm. four months to make you can uh, disagree on the point i'm making but like just give me a fraction of thoughtfulness that i am putting out you know what i mean like have a conversation uh yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, I I think for the most part, honestly, it's not it's not that bad. I may I might be over <laughs> over emphasizing the few negative comments, and you know you're always going to get those. I think even I made a video about Miranda that's you know it has no it has it, it's definitely a um my own take you know on a, a character. It, it, everyone's going to yeah. disagree with something you have to say. You can frame it however you want to. The point is as long as you have if as long as you support your argument with evidence and develop it, mm-hmm. that's all you can do. Um and I remember like even when I made my Miranda video, I had one comment that was like, "Oh, well, you're just the, the fanboyism is is strong with you." I'm like, <laughs> yeah, "Yeah, yeah, it is." I'd like <laughs> Of course it is. I spent four hours. I spent four months on this goddamn video about mm-hmm. a character nobody knows about, about a game that's not even released in English. Yeah, the fanboy has been strong. I don't think that should be discrediting what I what I'm saying. Um, anyways, but yeah, uh, pe- people are gonna just are gonna find ways either way. It's just you gotta, 
and you know you can either you can either get be upset about it or you can look at what they're actually saying mm-hmm. beyond the passiveness you know learn from it maybe they have something relevant to take away i i genuine generally try to read people in comments or in, online mm-hmm. in the best light possible otherwise you're just going to be <laughs> you're just going to yeah. be a spiteful person for the rest of your life and i think that you know you got to kind of uh you kind of kind of like keep in mind you know maybe this person's having a bad day maybe this person is like projecting mm-hmm. something that's happening in their life who knows like it's not maybe they have a point maybe you are wrong who knows you <laughs> so maybe you are just a huge fanboy mm-hmm. <laughs> um i'm curious that because do you find people ever take your brand of comedy the wrong way because it's so to me it's very tongue-in-cheek like mm-hmm. I, I've definitely seen some of your tweets where people are like, yo, why the fuck are you saying this? Blah, blah, blah. And, and like, it's so clearly satirical. Yeah. Um, I think not too many. Not too many. I think, like, the one... I've had, like, the two times I think that someone really took it way off base was one time when I said, I don't use dancers because I'm a real gamer. And they took it as some sort of, like gender normative <laughs> like diss like you know well why, why are you gatekeeping like oh what's God. wrong with like it's just this is like a misogynistic i'm like what it's like you can make your dancer males are dancers too like i i'm sorry if you if you've been made <laughs> to feel that you because you don't use certain units that like you're not a real gamer like that's kind of like the joke of it but i get it mm-hmm. and i tried to like see with on their level I, one, another one that was more grounded in, in reason was I made I think in a your first fire emblem I made uh, a joke that like was ironic like ironically calling like a relationship with a, a woman uh, gay uh, I, I, I I'm not exactly on the straight and narrow <laughs> myself so I feel like I can make those jokes but at the same time mm-hmm. I was like they felt uh, they took it the wrong way. But at the same time, I don't want anybody to feel, like, uncomfortable, especially when watching one of these videos that I spent so much time on and I just want it to be a good time. So I I took what they had to say and I was like, you know what, you're right. Uh, I should be a little bit more sensitive about that stuff. So it, you can get defensive mm-hmm. about it, but you can also just take what they have to say and uh, hear their perspective. And they they were they, they under, understand, after I talked to them, they were understood, oh, okay, I get it, I get it now, sorry. But the fact that they had to, they felt irked at, at all um, during a video, it's mm-hmm. it, it's like, you know what, it's not even that funny <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> so it's like, it's, there's always more. On Twitter, I don't care. On Twitter, I'm just going to say whatever. I don't give a shit if yeah. I offend people. It's a, it, Twitter, it's like a disposal, it's a, it's a bad take machine yeah. you know and i'm i'm the number one generator of them so <laughs> either way good old yeah. mecca 2 over here for god's sake yeah <laughs> <laughs> i remember this one time uh and it was i quoted you in one of my articles and like I, you know i asked your permission and blah 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 but this one guy commented on my article and like he was very clearly a, a fan of yours and mm. it was to this day the best comment I've ever gotten. He and he was like, he was like, "Holy shit!" Uh, a quote from Chaz. This article turns me the fuck on, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is fucking amazing!" Yeah, I remember that. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was about, it was about, you shouldn't compare it to, um, persona or like RPGs, fire emblem in general. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. I, I, it depends on the game, but yeah, I, de- I genuinely agree that like a lot of the, a lot of the, the nomenclature that we have to like combat with is, is people who apply this, you know, RPG, everybody levels up stats mm-hmm. consistently and it completely in Fire Emblem, just because there's bases and gross and the gross are random, it completely changes the dynamic of the RPG me- mechanics. And um, uh, the it dilutes them. But it's a good thing that it's diluted because it's a strategy game. It, it shouldn't be a play this enough. Of, you know, if you if a part of, a part of this game is too difficult, just play it enough times. And yeah. you'll get through it no matter what, which is fine. You know, I like games like that, too. My, some of my favorite ga- games are RPGs, but I like Fire Emblem personally because um, it's not reliant on grinding. And which is why I like the game that we're talking about so much <laughs> <laughs> today, honestly. And why I was so drawn to it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Is I was uh, I remember when I first played Genealogy of the Holy War. Uh, I was at a place where I played so many RPGs. I wanted to go through all the RPGs I missed in my life. I think I went through a, uh, uh, all these 8-bit RPGs I went through. I beat all the Dragon Quests. Uh, played Chrono Cross for the first time. I love that game. Mm-hmm. Xenogears. Um, just every RPG ever. But then it, it got burned out on it because I'm just like, you know, like leveling and grinding. It's just like a... Oh, and there comes a point where it just feels like a lazy way to make the feel, player feel like they're getting better at the game, mm-hmm. or it's like artificial way of feeling like there's growth yeah. in gameplay, um, and when there isn't really, I don't, I don't know. So, a game that still has all those, all the the great aspects of RPGs that I love, um, you know, turn-based combat and a little bit of strategy and. You know, forward thinking and and giving you options and what you, how you approach certain situations, and then making it so the RPG mechanics aren't the main focus and there is no grinding, mm-hmm. um, was just like really appealed to me, and that's how I got into Fire Emblem like really hard. Before we get like directly into genealogy, that's what I wanted mm-hmm. to ask, like because you said your content creating started with fire emblem heroes but like what got you how did you discover fire emblem because you know everybody back in the day is like oh i just i just got it somehow and then i became became a lifelong fan because nobody talked about such a niche game yeah um well in college my friend had path of radiance Mm -hmm. and i absolutely loved final fantasy tactics was one of my favorite games ever mm-hmm. um and i was like oh cool this is fire emblem from the smash bros games i'm gonna play it i gave it a shot and i was just like this is literal. this is a watered down version of final Fantasy." i thought it was so boring <laughs> and like i guess because maybe it was because it was really easy for i, I think i played like five ten chapters in mm-hmm. and i was like this is like brain dead like it just like that's how I felt when I first played it. And then I got into Famicom collecting uh, later on, like maybe like a few years later. Mm-hmm. And I played Fire Emblem 1 uh, in Japanese because I was like, you know, what? it's an RPG on the Famicom. I'm, I'm like really into this. 
I'll give it another shot. And I, I liked it a little bit more. I guess I could see the appeal, but it's hard for it was hard for me to progress without English. Yeah. Obviously, I got to like maybe the fourth chapter, so it never really stuck with me until I got sick from uh, from work and I, I I got like the flu or something, and um, I just searched. You know, I'll give Fire Emblem one more chance. I love Nintendo. I love RPGs. Mm-hmm. I searched best Fire Emblem game, and it was like basic. This was before Awakening, mm-hmm. so like genealogy was. I think that the most recommended one and it was translated and I was like, okay, awesome. And I, maybe it was because I had a, a really, really high fever, but I fell in love with the game. <laughs> I, just the music, it just hit me hard, hard. It just hit me so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music and everything and the graphics and, um, yeah, I can, like I said, I can the, hear the, the smile on your face right now. I like I could literally yeah. tell you love this game. I love it. Keep going, man. Yeah. And I what in what definitely I think at that time what hurt what hit me the most was the fact that it was um there was no grinding mm-hmm. and that created that created a dynamic in um the long long term game and the short term game, I'd say. Like short term being complete the map, long term is um, allocating resources for your unit's long-term growth, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a constant because there's because experience is, you know, there there are places where you can grind in genealogy, of course, like like in any game you can exploit like certain bosses and whatnot, mm-hmm. but ex, you know, taking that out of the equation, um, that there's a dynamic that forms in there that, w- that isn't in any RPG, and I love the rigidness of the system that you can see what's going to happen before it ever happens. Pretty much you can map out numbers and, you know, it really felt like anything that happened on the battlefield was your, was a result of your actions. Mm -hmm. And there's never any, it didn't feel like any of the deaths were super cheap, especially in genealogy where it's like, there's no criticals at all Mm -hmm. unless you have a skill for it. So it felt like really like responsive to what I was doing. Uh, I like that a lot. That's kind of just me personally. That's why I like games like Dark Souls because it's like there are problems with gameplay and sometimes the camera and stuff. But it's like when when I die or do something wrong, it's like I know immediately it's like this is what I did. I need to correct it and I'll come back and be better like next time. That's that's the mark of, of most good games, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm not I, I'm not a huge fan of of uh, physics based like platformers, puzzlers, what whatnot, because it feels like to me. I I recently played through uh, Katana Zero. I don't know if you know that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and while I had a great time with it, I thought it was awesome. I just like get frustrated because it feels like uh, you know the physics. It feels like sometimes the physics are just like so wonky and like you know it doesn't it doesn't feel i I know what i wanted to do but it didn't translate Mm -hmm. um yeah so i don't really like this i don't know how we got to this but i really don't like (laughs) physics based like puzzlers and whatnot which it seems to be a lot of like games nowadays are physics based yeah games you know um anyways yeah yeah control is good (laughs) um 
I don't know if you've played this, but do you have trouble with procedurally generated stuff? Something like... No, like, I love... I, really? I love, like, roguelikes, like, road lights. Yeah, like something not. like Enter the Gungeon or Slay the Spire or something. I love those, I love those types of games. Well, I've never played... A lot of people try, try to get me to do, play, like, Enter the Gungeon. I remember I have... One of my patrons is, like, trying to get me to play it. But I, I love procedurally generated stuff. Um, I, I mean, this year my most played game was Chocobo Dungeon. Uh, is everybody. that good? I really want to check it out. Because like, I, it's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite games on the Switch. I mean, it was my favorite game for Wii, uh, the Wii. But like, what they added to it was even better. Like, they added all these new classes, and it's just a really fun game. Especially <laughs> if you like Final Fantasy mm -hmm. one through eleven. You know, uh, it has it's just like a bunch of Final Fantasy music, um, lots of references, and uh, I just love Chocobo Dungeon. Yeah, it, I, that's a game where I... And it, the two-player mode is really fun. There's a two-player mode. Uh, all the to Chocobo Dungeons after Chocobo Dungeon 2 was the first one to have two-player mode. And then they always have this. But the the problem with it, unfortunately, with the two-player mode, and I don't know... When you play two-player mode, this is, like, atrociously... This is, this is like, uh, <laughs> something that really pisses me off, honestly. Okay. When you play two-player mode, it, it puts... It defaults to the Chocobo theme song, like, but a really, really annoying version of it with like squeaky toys. Oh no! And you cannot turn it off. You cannot change back to the normal music. And the normal music is like the best. Of, it's the like one of the biggest selling points of the game. Mm -hmm. So if you're playing co-op, which is what this version on the Switch um, is, the one of the major selling points is like, oh, this new co-op mode that's like super. Uh, you can, has super customizable, and you can play as all these monsters and a new mechanic where you catch monsters and befriend them over time, so you can play as them as your partner. It's just completely messed up because you have to turn the sound off. Like I had a friend of mine of mine, we were playing this game for hours on end, but we just listened to other music, unfortunately, because. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. I'm, but it's a great game. You should definitely get it. One hundred percent, get that game. I I love mystery dungeon games so much. I'm mm. like literally might buy this tonight. I've always yeah, no, it's, always thought about it. And you like Final Fantasy a lot, yeah, right? So yeah, you would love this game. You would absolutely love this game. Um, I mean, the story is absurdly bad, but like <laughs> it's you know I don't know. I think you would. It's it's cutesy and it makes no it, it makes absolutely no sense, mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't matter. The gameplay is so so fun, so good, um, and uh, great music. Yeah, other roguelikes. I like this game called Qu Cave Noir, which was a Konami um, roguelike for the Game Boy. Never came out in America, but it's just a a good game with really great music. Um, what what I'm curious about is that like. Um, don't, because you said you like Fire Emblem so much because of that control and that, yeah. um, you know, you know what you did wrong and you can fix it, but with, uh, these procedurally generated games, isn't that out of your control? Like, isn't it up to just random chance? Hey, hey, you gotta go, you gotta go in there with an escape rope if something bad happens. Okay. It's <laughs> with, with a dungeon games, you get it, you take it every step. Of course, there's there's randomness mm -hmm. uh, in those games, but you have you, you have to. That's something you have to account for, you know. 
if you didn't come up with if you didn't go into the the dungeon with an item that gets you out of that like you know gets you out of a fail safe like that mm-hmm. then that's really on you because you're going into it knowing the randomness um yeah that's i i understand that completely but the fact that you can the game moves at your pace mm-hmm. i feel like that's a, a level of control in itself um but I don't know. I play I play games for different reasons, yeah. you know, different games for different reasons. So, yeah, I think part of the randomness is is part of the appeal. But I never feel like and I've had so many cheap. De- I mean, in Choco, in any dungeon game, like you're going to experience bullshit like you're going to get overwhelmed. That's like at least 10 times if it's a long one. <laughs> yeah. And and you're going to lose all your equipment and you're, it's going to feel really bad. You're going to put down the game for like a week two weeks maybe you will never even pick it up again but <laughs> i always found myself coming back and being like one time i just lost so much i remember i lost so much i lost everything <laughs> i lost everything i lost all my equipment because in that game if you lose if you lose you lose everything in your inventory you lose all your money that's that's why you have to deposit your items and in inventory into a depository um to account for that this sounds like a, a good tweet from you like fuck i lost the kids thanks to chuckabo mystery dungeon like i lost yeah. everything <laughs> no i really lost i lost my best weapons that were like forged with poison and critical and it was like towards the end game and i had to like grind it out again Damn. i had to grind i any the reason why i lost it because you can always just load from an earlier save i accidentally saved over my earlier save <laughs> and that's and so yeah <laughs> but yeah. i still kept playing because it was so much fun i just like i could go to, it's one of those games where you go to sleep at night and you think about it yeah. while you're like going to sleep it's like you think about what you did what you want to do i think i've only had that experience with like xenoblade chronicles um that's like the only game that i can think of that and this this game that i've, I've been playing recently called lord monarch so those those three are like games that i think about while i'm going to sleep and then i you know um does chuck you said it has a job system like it has a job system yeah like final fantasy three and five or stuff like that or yeah it has all the jobs you can you know and love uh they added a few um and uh you can also there's also a partner mechanic so there's a cpu partner and and you you get different partners by killing monsters over time and you upgrade their levels and you can also there's also dlc partners that are that you can get that are like different chocobo partners Mm -hmm. which i actually recommend buying either the Beastmaster or the thief okay or both (laughs) because they're so good as partners um one lets you see the thief is really great because it lets you see the entire map um they each have one spell and the the beast master just has a really nice healing spell that heals everybody but you can have like summons and and bosses be your partner and um you can play as a white mage fighter lancer and there's there's a, a mechanist is a new class beast master's new class uh, it's just a great game and you have your favorites. People play differently. Mm-hmm. My first... a lot of people like the. Sorry, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say a lot of people like the ninja, but I I like playing as other 
I forget who was my favorite. I like, well, obviously Beastmaster was really good, mm -hmm. but because it the Beastmaster plays off the new partner mechanic because it's a new one. It it, it 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 focuses on healing and buffing your partner mm -hmm. as well as yourself. So it just feels like the most um, helpful for the game. The what they added to the game. My first experience with a typical like JRPG job system was with. Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Mm -hmm. And now that I think about it, I wonder if that was one of the reasons why I grew so attached to Fire Emblem because in like the tactics game, right? Like each job is so unique and integral to how you play out a mission. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, at least in certain Fire Emblem games, like, you know, characters have to stick to one, one class. And um, like you said, you can plan your route. You can really think about it, put forethought into it, allocate resources. Mm -hmm. Just an interesting yep. thought. But. Final Fantasy Tactics Advance was a really cool game when it came out. Uh, I was really hyped on that game because I loved Final Fantasy Tactics so mm -hmm. much. But I think I grew out of that style of tactics game by the time I got it. Because that game is at really, really grindy. Tactics, especially, well, tactics is grindy as, as AF. But Tactics Advance is like a whole nother level. Like you're just going like it really is. So I, I, I kind of have a distaste for those, the advanced Tactics Advance games mm -hmm. just because of that. But man, that's how I, I, I love ta Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, even though like the gameplay is not really my thing. I just loved the story and the music was just top tier like my favorite final fantasy besides seven um in between seven and six is final fantasy tactics for me mm -hmm. but. uh tactics has probably one of my favorite quotes from a video game and that's one it's um uh you know the pen is not mightier than the sword uh just as like a pen cannot do battle and a sword cannot write What's mighty mm -hmm. is like knowing when to pick up the sword or the pen. Love that shit. Yeah, I can't think of any quotes that I really like. I think in Radiant Dawn, there's a in Radiant Dawn, Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn, there's a lot of quotes that I can that I kind of remember. Like someone was like, they'll they'll one of the evil guys was like, they'll run to this girl like they'll or they I don't know they'll cover this girl in praise like sugar on berries, and I don't know why that <laughs> stuck. Stuck with me. The Fire Radiant Dawn has some excellent. I think all the Fire Emblem af, after after the GBA era has great writing, fantastic writing, or just like translation. Maybe Man. not in, in terms of plot, but the way it's eloquently worded. A lot of. Uh, I'd I'd be very curious to to have you reassess that statement after Awakening. I've oh yeah, <laughs> I I don't ever plan on playing Awakening. That's what the original. I know you you asked me to be on this show to talk about Awakening, <laughs> and I was like, I've never played Awakening, and it's like on my channel it's a joke because it's like the most elitist thing you can do is be <laughs> <laughs> is poop on Awakening, and I poop on Awakening without even playing it. So it's like I don't know. I don't so plan why? on playing because like, it's not. Why my, won't you play it? It's not, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I did play it for like 
three chapters and I was just like, this isn't for me. Yeah. I just, I really don't like open map Fire Emblem games. I just don't have any appeal. I played through uh, Fire Emblem Echoes just because I think as an experience and the presentation of that game is the best presentation, not only in Fire Emblem, but of any video game I've ever played, period. Mm -hmm. And I think that that alone holds it up. But as a game, I don't think it's... I think it's pretty terrible. Um, I think that... um, And a lot of people are like, well, the map design... I don't think it has anything... I think the map design is serviceable. It does what it does. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's the same as any other Fire Emblem. You move your characters forward... (laughs) <laughs> and like and like interesting things happen regardless of what the terrain is like because the enemy's moving away you moving away mm-hmm. um i think it's, it has to do with the the grinding and the 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 open map design it's not conducive to permadeath it's not conducive to to xp coefficients anything like that it just bases and yeah. you know it has an achievement for playing without grinding and doing it in the you know in a few the fewest amount of days it's just for me i like to take it I, I feel like it's stupid to not take advantage of all the resources a game gives you yeah like that's why i'm playing the game in the first place because i want to learn about the game and if there's a resource there i'm going to take advantage of it because that's what i've been i've been i've been I've been told to do like you know yeah. uh, the game is telling me to make the most use of my resources so why wouldn't I tap into this unlimited thing and I know a lot of people enjoy that aspect um, but I don't personally so that's yeah and then I, Fire Awakening is that pretty much <laughs> no I, I 100% feel you I, I don't think I'm ever going again I fucking love fire emblem like i've I've played the other games like a trillion times i don't mm. think i'm ever really gonna go back to echoes or honestly I, i'm definitely never gonna go back to fates in my i did not enjoy fates but oh um, I, I love conquest i loved fire emblem conquest to be honest with you it's one of my favorite games i haven't played I it think, since like 2015 or something like i didn't think i would i i didn't play any of the th- i bought a 3ds for echoes yeah and i never played fates or awakening because it didn't appeal to me it just didn't look like it's like I it's I had all these other Fire Emblem games I wanted to play, and and it just looked like, you know, pandering, grind, Dissidia style gameplay that I just was not into at at that time, mm-hmm. and still am not into. But I was missing out on one so one of the best games. Like I played Conquest and I had an absolute blast. I, I like I think I'm gonna go back to it again, so, soon. Uh, possibly, I don't know. I want to get back to it because I only played through it once on hard, but it was a really, really good experience and you have so many options and the map design was amazing. I don't really care about the story, to be honest with you. If I want a good story, I'll read a book. Um, (laughs) like there's, there's not many people are, I feel like the threshold for good stories in video games is so low. So low. Ridiculously. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why people defend fates. I feel like is if they, they just our kids who just have never read <laughs> like an actual story with with characters <laughs> yeah fates came out again this is showing how young i am fates came out when i was in high school and even mm-hmm. back then before i got into like my 
career in writing. Even back then, I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> like, this is yeah. so bad, man. I thought it was going to be overemphasized. I thought it was overemphasized, but when I got... When I started playing it, I was blown away with how ridiculous it was. Yeah. I was blown... And that's... And then I made a, a series based on it. As I, as I was playing the game, um, I, I, I started to just point out the the ridiculousness of this plot. Mm -hmm. um, but... It's like a Saturday morning cartoon in a way, but <laughs> then again, the Saturday I I grew up with Digimon Adventure, which is one of the best plots uh, of Saturday. Uh, like the threshold is high here, mm -hmm. you know. It, if it, that if you want a good story, it's got to be better than Digimon Adventure. If you want me to call your story good, it's got to be more. It's got to be better than Digimon Adventures one and two. That's that's my threshold. Uh, what were you gonna say about uh, you were talking about Digimon Adventure? Oh, you were gonna say something. I was gonna ask: Is that like your definitive favorite anime? Uh, I don't really watch much anime. Okay, I think my definitive, my I like besides like, you know, I I love Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon, like the stuff that was on Toonami and Gundam, Gundam Wing. Mm -hmm. um, Man, is it? It's so wild to me. It like, is it crazy to you that now, because we didn't mention it earlier, that you are on a show on Toonami? Because like, oh yeah, no, that was that... fun. Yeah, that that was crazy. That was cool. Yeah, I really liked that. Um, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. It didn't even feel like. It feels like Toonami is like a different thing now. It's not. That's true. It's like basically Adult Swim. You know. It's. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people were upset about that show because they felt like it didn't belong. It didn't belong on Toonami because it was, it was Adam. It was like a spoof on anime, but it was more of a comedy. Mm -hmm. You know, so people got upset about that show. People, the overall, <laughs> the overall consensus is that people hated that show because they felt like it didn't belong on Toonami. So people wanted it to fail, but it was a really fun show. My friends and I watched it. We had like a great time. Um, it's absurd and ridiculous and, um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't watch too many. I, I like Kimigori Orange Road. My, my, my. What now? <laughs> it's like a, it's like an eighties, like slice of life anime. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like the, the Japanese equivalent of like, um, of Saved by the Bell. You okay. know, but also the main character has psychic powers, you know, or like, you know, <laughs> pretty run of the mill stuff. Yeah. And I really just love the soundtrack. I actually use the soundtrack a lot in my videos. My, I think my past three videos have had mostly Kimigori Orange soundtrack um, songs in there. So I like that one. But besides it that, I don't watch much anime. Man, we're at like the forty-five minute point. We've barely talked about genealogy. <laughs> it's okay. There was I did talk about it enough. Like I felt like it's fine. You're like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Anymore. It's done. It's fine. <laughs> um, to go natural. back to something you said earlier, because I really mm -hmm. wanted to ask you about this design feature of Fire Emblem is the map design, because to me, it is probably one of the most important factors, a gameplay factor, if not the most. And I've just been thinking about it a lot recently because I, like I told you, I was playing Awakening and it is such a sore spot. Like the map design is just terrible in my opinion, but yeah, playing because I've told you like 
I've never played genealogy and I just wanted to talk about it with you. Cause like you said, you're such a, it, it's such a big part of, of, uh, you, um, yeah. how important Definitely. is it? Because I've seen the maps, but I, you know, you gotta play it, play it. Yeah. It's, it's really important. I, I, I know I said before that, that the map design of echoes isn't what killed it for me, but you'll notice a, a trend with more sandbox style. I'd like to call it, um, fire emblems. And I would say that ones that give you more open-ended, like, um, progression, more options for how you can build your units. And the development team can't really account for how powerful you will be, you know, when you face this, when you're on this map, they, the open, and that, that would include three houses that would include awakening, uh, birthright, um, echoes definitely mm -hmm. um, they have a more open sandbox style map to accommodate that because they're not going to make these and this is all just theory I don't know this is like me to I don't know for sure but like there's a correlation where those types of mechanics have map designs that are more open um, because I feel like you know they give you a, they give you a playground the mechanics to 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 build your character they'll give you a playground in the map design to let them loose um uh, they can't really account for where you are level wise or what your units are like so when it comes to a game like more linear like radiant dawn genealogy thracia the maps have more they have more objective they're more objective based and and there's there's a lot more going on than just routing the enemy mm -hmm. even though genealogy in itself is is essentially just a bunch of defend maps and um, oh my it, defend is my favorite so like i gotta play this holy shit yeah but it's not like the conditions it's not the same because it's it's the conditions are if someone reaches your castle and then it's game over mm -hmm. but most of the time they never will so technically they are defend maps every single one of them but it doesn't really play that way you know i just like i like the game because the terrain the maps uh they put you in situations that um create deviations in gameplay create unique scenarios a lot of people complain about certain maps because oh this map i i can't use you know my movement is stunted in this map and and this map and this part of the map like i all the i can't use these specific units because they're at a severe disadvantage i'm like that that's if there's a if it's a game that's like 80 hours i don't want every map to be the same mm -hmm. um people kind of focus in on singular points of the game and they don't really view it as a whole that's why i actually think that revelations i've never played revelations but i've watched a lot of people play it i think it gets a bad rap because people focus on one or two maps that the gameplay involves you being playing much more methodically and slow mm -hmm. and people say that's bad map design i mean maybe it is if you're looking at it as just that map but in terms of the spectrum of all the maps 
I want maps where I'm going to have to play faster, maps where I also have to play slower, maps that I have to be more aggressive, maps that I have to maybe wait it out a little bit. I want there to be deviations in the gameplay. It's an 80-hour game, mm-hmm. you know? Um, there's going to be lulls and highs. It's, it's, that's texture, baby. <laughs> um, so the map design and genealogy... The thing about genealogy is that it's not like any other Fire Emblem game. People give it a bad rep because they look at it in the same lens as they do any other Fire Emblem game. But there's so many aspects to it that that seem like they're they're not they're not like that seem like it's just a normal Fire Emblem game, but the way this game is structured, the way that um the arena is structured the way that um the game ranks you on experience and how how fast you play it creates a completely different dynamic that i think units uh, man (laughs) it creates it creates a different gameplay and a different focus Mm -hmm. um from the normal fire Emblem games and i think it needs to be judged on its own merits rather than what a nomenclature that it's developed because people are more familiar with the GBA games or maybe stuff that's more in line with what we expect from Fire Emblem. So anyways, what was the original question? I don't even remember. I got (laughs) the map design, but you did answer that. But now I'm curious, like let's say new Fire Emblem game map design is 10 out of 10, but every, Uh Um, objective is just route the enemy. Would that I mean, it, the, would that hurt it? Because to, I like uh, me too. Like variation is just as important to me as map design. I mean, it just it depends on the way. Like like I said, in genealogy, every map is a defend map, but they're doing different things in there. Like yeah. there's the map design sets you up so that different things are happening. It's not actually de- you're not actually playing it as if it's a defend map. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes you are. Um, sometimes you do need to do that. And the same thing I with Cindered Shadows. Cindered Shadows, every single map is not a route map. It's something it's something different. They you know, you have to put kids on portals or some shit. And, <laughs> but it still feels like a route map. Every map feels like a route map. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it's like a, a cop out in a way where yeah, there just needs to be there needs to be texture, and needs to be de- deviations. But people are, will complain about that because you know, oh, terrain. I I hate how I on this map I have to move slower. I hate on the, this map I can't just like use this one unit that I've been using the entire time to steamroll everything. That's so weird, um, man. That's the fun of the game. Like, yeah, man. Well, people find fun in every in different things. I I don't want to say that one thing is the fun of the game because I know that people find fun in different things. That's true. I will say that I will say that you know you can't. A lot of people use the that same argument and they're like, you know, some people play these games for different reasons. I'm like, okay, well, I play it for this reason. So what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I know. I'm just telling you why I'm play. I enjoy it. But yeah, so. Um, yeah, but a lot of people hate on the map design for genealogy, um, because the maps are obviously too big. I think that's just, like, people are just echoing the most derivative thing they can think of. Um, I love genealogy's 
gameplay. I love genealogy. I think genealogy is the the best mechanically of any of the Fire Emblems, hands down. Um, and that's as a whole when you factor in the the allocation of funds and experience in the arena. The arena is so so important um, because the thing is every single unit has access to experience and gold that's ex exclusive to them and the only way you can get to that is by performing well in the maps and making use of everyone's movement you'll have units that are more that are clearly have more unit and more utility than anyone else but it's how you utilize them that makes them perform makes that and it's how you utilize them that that plays into that long-term, short-term um, ebb and flow, you I, know? I'm curious what you mean by that, though. Like, what do you mean the funds and experience is exclusive to them? Like, they... Like you can't... You can't... The, the, the arena is capped. You In every, in every uh, map, the oh. arena is capped. So you can only go seven rounds in the arena. And everyone has their own wallet. So you get funds through the wallet... Uh, you get that experience, but you know, obviously, how far you ex you um, how far you are able to progress in the arena comes down to how well you performed in the map. Yeah. You know, because you're gaining levels. It's all about allocating those funds, and because you can't freely trade items, it becomes even more important to allocate those resources. I try to, and that's that's a thing you need to people crap on certain units like for instance there's a unit named Jamka who's a foot locked unit uh, but he's so he doesn't have the he doesn't have the best movement compared to everyone else who's uh, mounted and he'll never be mounted but he has um, I think adept and continue or a cost and pursuit does he have a pursuit I mean, he might not have pursuit so in arena he progresses so easily in arena because he can easily rig the rng to get through everything and proc all of his skills so the the enemy won't even be able to attack him back mm -hmm. and in that way he's an amazing unit because he'll get you so much resources um and the game is ranked based on how many levels you get how well you use everybody in the arena and on the map um, I just really like that as a mechanic and there's nothing preventing you from you know just using your mounted units and playing that way if you want to mm -hmm. but it gives an incentive to utilize all the mechanics and get this amazing secret ending which just is one of the best pieces of music in Fire Emblem and with this beautiful bow on top of this great package it's just a great thing so there's like a a whole other layer that people i feel like don't account for they just look at the maps they don't account for the the arena which is such an essential part of the game and i remember i, I like we were talking about comments and whatnot i actually got a comment recently it's really funny that people they they formulate their opinion before they okay and it was for my castle guide my arena guide they mm -hmm. said Way too much time, to s way too much setup, and completely unnecessary. You find save scumming and passing weapons around to be engaging. Where's the fun in that? All your characters would be so overleveled, it would make the game trivial. To each their own, I guess. 
See, this person clearly has never played genealogy because they know you would know that there's no there's there's a cap to the arena and the arena is is integral to the game. Mm -hmm. You don't have to use the arena if you don't want to, but if you're looking to engage with the mechanics, engage with all the resources you have, making use of it is very, very cathartic to people like me. Uh, so to each their own, I guess, as they said. <laughs> um, do you think that would be a like an advocacy for playing games on a more difficult setting because you have to use the mechanics to their fullest extent and like you said use whatever resources you get as, as I, best I like, as you can i like the way it is in in genealogy because you don't really need difficulty settings mm -hmm. if you want don't want to if you don't want to use those mechanics you don't have to and if you don't want to play on this advanced level you don't have to either um that's why i really like ranking systems because the base game is actually one of the most accessible and uh versions of fire emblem there are because of the saves the save feature you don't have to engage with the ranking system at all but if you want to if you want that extra layer there it's there and it makes the game much more difficult but you also get a much more in-depth appreciation of what it has to offer and i have i'm i i go on to fire Emblem discussions um streams a lot uh he was he was playing an, uh, a ranked run of fire emblem 4 he he hates fire emblem 4 he said he's like a, a huge fire emblem 4 hater they're they're out there it's okay i understand but now he admit he admitted which is funny that while he's been playing this he he actually completely he said that he has a completely different understanding of the game now and understands why uh, people enjoy this game for what it is and not what the Fire Emblem expectation is. Mm -hmm. Which is why, uh, unfortunate, because this game originally wasn't going to be a Fire Emblem game and they just, they, you know, they called it Fire Emblem because of sales. You know, they had to. What was it going to be? Very early... Uh, sort of like a spinoff. Hmm. So they were going to make it a spinoff because it was so different. I've never heard that. Did not know. Yeah. It was it was early in development, though, and then they were just like, okay, well, no, we're going to call it Fire Emblem because, you know, it will sell well and it's close enough. Mm -hmm. You know, the random gross, permadeath, everything. It's all there. But to me, it's the the, the arena and the individual wallets and the all that stuff the unlimited deployment make it a completely different game if you're looking to delve into that aspect so how did you feel going into three houses with so many people saying like oh it's this is taking a lot of um inspiration and mechanics from genealogy um, I don't think it's taking any mechanics from genealogy. The the main thing it's it's taking is the crest system, the crest and holy weapons, you know. That's it. Wasn't besides that besides that there's actually nothing in common. I don't think there's a single thing. But people like to say that oh it's so influenced by genealogy. It is. And I think what they did with with um exploring this sort of um 
holy blood crest system, exploring the darker political side, uh, the 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 negatives mm-hmm. of this. Because in genealogy, you know, it has the same. There's the same thing there, but it's it's barely explored about the social aspect of what this holy blood, the difference between commoners and and pretty much gods, um, what kind of strange dichotomies that creates in society. Mm-hmm. And I love that Three Houses explored that because it would, like, if you have these people and th- it's just genuinely looked at as, oh, these are great people, these are amazing, you know, but the um, everyone strives to be like these these holy blood guys. Everybody wants their stat line and whatnot. It, it, to an extent... Three Houses did it really well. Not gameplay-wise, obviously. I don't think that... It doesn't add up... Like, what Holy Blood gives you... What crests give you in the game... <laughs> doesn't equate to the impact of what they're, like, talking it up as. Like, you know, that people want these... The crests are so coveted because of the... The the attributes they give you like okay Bernadetta's ability to maybe attack twice five (laughs) percent of the time wow that's that's worth tying your daughter up to a chair for great (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't know it doesn't really translate in that way Mm -hmm. and like these these weapons that break after 20 uses fantastic that I'll still (laughs) stick to my brave sword thank you so much Um, (laughs) but yeah, I think in that way it obviously has a lot of influence, but gameplay wise, it's there's nothing like it's nothing like genealogy at all. That's fair. Um, what about story wise? Because what I've heard about genealogy is that the big, I, I, well, I don't know if I'm misremembering it, if it's genealogy or Thracia about the big sort of plot revelation halfway through. Yeah. It's got a good story. Yeah. Genealogy has a good story with characters that are have relatable motivations. Nobody except for, you know, the the big bad puppeteer, you know, occultist is is yeah. genuinely 100% bad. Um even in my friend Linking, you know, made a video about how the main villain did, did nothing wrong and even the main Sigurd, the main protagonist, I think is has a lot of fault. The great part about about this game is that it the world is grounded in reality and in consequences. Um, Sigurd is a lord who's completely. All the lords are exactly the same. You know, every single lord is. I don't care. People are like, oh, the Ike is such a good lord. Um, Marth is such a good lord. Alm is such a good lord. They're all the same. They're yeah. all just like do-gooders who are who are just going to want to do the good, the right thing. And they have a, uh, they there's they're meant to be you. You know, they're they're meant to have a projection fantasy that you know you're just a guy who wants to help your friends and do the right thing. Yeah. And in any other Fire Emblem game, that would work out. You know, your ideals of love, honor, and you know, just doing the right thing would work out. But in the in the real world, and in the world of Yggdrasil, it doesn't. And that's where things get interesting. Because it's not, you know, love, friendship, and the, the American way doesn't always... <laughs> doesn't always work out, you know? Intentions... Good intentions don't lead to doing good. And that's 
the duology between the protagonist and the antagonist. They, they both have, uh, they're both just wanting to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. But they let their ideals sort of um, get out of the realm of, of, um, of uh, moderation and into a cultism in a way. And that's that's a lesson that everyone should take away. Moder moderation is the key to life. Yeah. But, you know. Um, with the main character in general, is it is the real consequence to the like his actions in the game per se? Like, which? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> there definitely is. Yeah, you can get into like is. as much spoilers as you want. Like that's what the show is about. Like it. Oh. It, yeah, it's totally up to you. Um, well, just basically, I mean, in, in the main character's eyes, he's just going from country to country solving problems, you know, that arise like, oh, my friend is captured, got to save her. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you look at it through the eyes of anybody else, this guy is literally just going on a, 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 a spree, like murdering, um, nobles like he's like just literally routing the entire country and going <laughs> like it um anyways and so um yeah there's consequences yeah and that's the same with any fire emblem they're literally just going through the con the countryside and just routing the entire thing and like going on a campaign that they think is justified but i mean if you look at it in in outside of their own personal view you're just going through and just like absolutely decimating everything in your path mm -hmm. <laughs> and who knows how those people can reformulate their own government their own their own way to self-control themselves yeah. and like self-regulate themselves afterwards and that's like i said it's more grounded in reality in that case and you know it comes back to bite him and not only just that it's also him being told specifically he should not have a relationship with this person, you know, Deidre, because, uh, well, you're going to, it's just something really bad's going to happen. And everyone tells him this and he still just says, you know what, if we love each other, what could possibly <laughs> go wrong? Isn't that all that matters? Yeah. You know? Well... <laughs> a lot went wrong a lot <laughs> went wrong and you know but that's how it is any other fire Emblem, he's just like any other fire Emblem protagonist i mean that it worked out for marth it worked out for for alm why wouldn't it work out for sigurd mm -hmm. um yeah it, from what you describe it as it's kind of like the uh as a, I, I guess it's a good comparison in a sense. Like in Game of Thrones, you know, everybody's like, "Oh, I want Jon Snow to be king. Oh, I want Cersei to be queen." Blah blah blah. But then it's like, yeah. in some episodes, you really get to see like the locals or the towns. They don't give a shit. Like they, yeah. they know that no matter what, their life is going to be destroyed, and nobody's going to care about them, and and um, they're going to have to rebuild their lives in the end. So. Yeah, out of the wake of these people, their their little grievances with each other. Yeah, um, they're the ones affected the most. Um, yeah, and that's why uh, Arvis is is so relatable. He um, 
you know, he saw people being persecuted based on, you know, their race. Uh, and a race and a bloodline that he secretly had himself. So when he, his goal was to create a, a unified nation that with freedom of religion, freedom of speech, all that stuff, because he felt like he was doing a disservice his whole life to people who did nothing wrong, he, he saw, but just, you know, have ancestors that summon a dark dragon and did child hunts. But mm. unfortunately, there's a duality to also freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Like, if true freedoms means the tr freedom, and I'm sorry if this is going to get political, but this is kind of <laughs> how it goes. The true, free, true freedom of speech means true freedom of hate speech as well, unfortunately. Although people nowadays don't want to pretend like hate speech isn't free speech it is free speech like that unfortunately that's just how it is mm -hmm. so like anything else there is moderation but what is freedom of speech if you can't speak thing say things that people disagree with and unfortunately true freedom means the true freedom to have a, a, an occultist uprising mm -hmm. with <laughs> with child hunts unfortunately <laughs> that's like, that's just how it is unfortunately like a true freedom and that, that that's the duality i'm talking about like that's what he what's he believed what he, what he was doing was right he believed in his ideals but he didn't see what the absolute concept of his ideals could have could result in which is a dark, desolate world where evil people um, dominated the earth. <laughs> it's awful. And a dark dragon went like, hey, uh, anyway, so it's, it has some real life connotations I really like. I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong because it's just like something you have to consider yeah. uh, in life, unfortunately. One of it's my no, um, uh, favorite kind of themes in the idea of you know good versus evil is you know something we so obviously see in in daily life and just with the continued conversation of um things like racism in the world is uh ancestry and why people kind of recklessly and needlessly hate somebody just because of where they're born and and what they believe in and stuff like that and again, I know I keep making these dumb um, um, sort of comparisons, but one of my no, favorite ahead. is in the latest season of Attack on Titan when somebody's like, oh, your ancestors like did all this and they deserve to be like, you know, attacked and persecuted. And somebody is, was like, well, my mom died during this. Like, what did my mom do? Like, she wasn't alive 500 years ago. Like, she was just trying to live her life. Like, why does she deserve to be persecuted? Yeah. And it's just like, you know, it, it, it's such a simple answer to such a dumb um, ideology. Yeah. But... Um, For sure. And it, Fire Emblem does tackle... I think the do did a... In my opinion, Dudu did a great job of a more realistic approach of how that type of mentality affects people. Mm -hmm. um, I think like Path of Radiance has racism as its and like Tellius as its as its like one of its core themes, but I think it's like really cartoony 
and like caricature of like you know these people are like extremely racist mm-hmm. and then they just get the racism like yelled out of them like that's not really how it works in the in the real mm-hmm. in the real world like people th- believe they're right because they're surrounded by other people who believe they're right and it's not and if you attack a person aggressively to try to like inflict your view on them it's just going to justify who they are yeah. um or who they think you are um the inner yeah anyways i i have a i'm a big fan of to do how he's portrayed um because he goes through a lot of emotions that i think that people who feel ashamed of their upbringing he tries to hide it and his background and he's he's like in a liminal space i think a lot of people where he is accepted but he's still he's still definitely excluded at the same time depending on the scenario um any anyways this isn't a three houses talking point <laughs> i wanted to make a, a to do video but i i feel like at this point i kind of just want to not make fire on content right at this point at this point so i, I dropped it I did a stream where I taught I rated all of the do supports because I love his supports so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not even a support person. I don't like supports, but the, I thought his were done so well, um, and were very relatable. I I'm I'm like I I grew up I, I'm I'm uh, I'm the son of of um, Iranian refugees and and I grew up in like a post 9/11 world mm-hmm. and technically I'm I'm white by the law. But that doesn't mean I, I live. Let's again. I live in a, 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 a liminal environment where certain I'm I, I certain situations I I feel I'm treating treated as a minority, and certain situations I'm not. It's really weird. Yeah. And um, a lot of the emotions that he displayed are things that I felt myself growing up. Um. And that's one of the reasons why I, I relate to that a lot. I think it's a much more relatable thing than just like racism bad, because <laughs> you know? obviously, you're like, wow, what a what what a great lesson, what a statement. <laughs> yeah, but I like what you were saying before the the nuance of that, those types of uh, um, binary cataloging of people, mm-hmm. you know, which is the problem itself, you know. Yeah, I come from a a super small town, and uh, I too, like, I came from uh, an immigrant family, and we were not noticeable at all. Like, again, like, exactly the same. I'm white, like, straight up. But um, it's, you know, nobody treats you differently, but then it's like, once people start saying certain things, and you're like, what do you mean by that like like yeah and it's like i don't know like literally if i was just like a couple shades darker like would you and i even be friends from like what you're saying right now and and that's what a lot of people don't get about these conversations like you said like in the tellius games people aren't just like shouting uh like racism at you like racist remarks at you in the street like that's not how it works it's always yeah it's always subtle it's, it's subtle. always uh passive aggressive like mm-hmm. it and it's 
You and just, yeah, you, that's 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 why I like to do because it feels it it feels real the way he reacts to that racism, mm-hmm. that subtle sort of it's it's not him calling anyone out. He actually like feels shame towards his own culture and kind of tries to whitewash himself initially, because mm-hmm. um, he feels like that his background gives other people makes other people uncomfortable but so, if I, I it's 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 not something you want to talk about on twitter that's for sure that stuff any nuance <laughs> with <laughs> you just go go on twitter say racism bad you're good you're safe that's what i was going to say the, the the um the point of this conversation is just racism bad <laughs> yeah there you go well shit man what a <laughs> definitely didn't think we'd get into this but again it is such the time old argument of like people being like oh don't put politics in my games and it's like man do you even pay attention (laughs) like yeah are you even playing the same game as i am i know yeah i've i've uh responded those types of those things uh, those types of comments quite a, a bit um i don't mind getting political with people um but it's to say there's not any politics in games, even Nintendo games, of course there's politics in Nintendo games. Yeah. I mean, we're playing Fire Emblem for sure. Like even even the even to say no politics in games is po- is political, like in itself. In itself, <laughs> um, there's politics in saving a princess. There's politics in in everything. There's yeah. no uh, you know. It's it's you know. Twitter and shit like that. It's just, it's not the platform to have those conversations. I'm kind of curious um, because I've found, like you said earlier, you can't mm-hmm. just yell this stuff out of people. You can't just like beat them into submission to think, uh, you know, quote unquote, the right way or, or in your point of view. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But a lot of people view it as like, it's not my job to educate you on this. I'm just curious yeah. what, what you think. Um, I don't know a right way to do it, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, I don't know if you're complicit by by not confronting them. I think there's a way to be confrontational without completely antagonizing someone. I've, one of the biggest things I learned from, you know, I had no online presence before I, I uploaded a Fire Emblem Heroes um, video on YouTube. One of the biggest things I learned: if you're if you're ever in a discussion with someone, you have to leave them with their dignity. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who they are; they will not take anything away from it. If you if you try to strip them of their dignity, it doesn't matter if you if they're the if you think they're the worst person on the the pile of of shit earth. Like you, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like you have to leave them with their. If you want the the discussion to actually amount to anything the person the two the people involved have to be left with dignity or else nothing will change yeah so you can be confrontational for sure you just can't demonize the person or else nothing's going to change mm-hmm. or and you're going to affirm what they their their you know bigoted view if it's bigoted they're, you're just going to confirm it for them yeah so that's my advice i think that's general advice for being on the internet in general honestly yeah i always just find it hard as in like it's like you got to speak up when you're faced with like you said the 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 bigoted thoughts and and stuff like Mm -hmm. that but it's like i'm gonna come at it from my experience 
what uh, I've been through and stuff like that. And sometimes what I've been through and who I am like doesn't apply to certain conversations. And I just don't want to assume or say anything that, you know, not that, you know, would upset somebody else, but that would just mm. not, um, that would just mischaracter somebody else. And again, it, at the same time, it's like, am I being complicit by not saying anything? It's a whole, like, again, we could do a whole other fucking episode on this, for God's sakes. But yeah, for sure. It, uh, it's a whole conversation. But yeah. Fire Emblem, I mean. <laughs> yeah, for real, though, the, the, this is exactly why I love it to do uh, supports in, in Three Houses specifically. Because they all, he handles it in ways that I feel like he proves people wrong he's confrontational but he's confrontational in a way that he's not aggressive mm -hmm. he proves people wrong simply by the display of his own character um he doesn't bully and he he's so objective in some of his and some of his supports there are times where he falls victim to the same the same um narrow mindset that he's he's a victim of himself like i think there's like a sylvain to do support where he hears a rumor about sylvain you know being like a terrible person and he's like well, you know i have to bring this up to you because you know I, it's what i was told and it's like damn to do that's like exactly what you're <laughs> what people do to you yeah. you know like that's but it's just like it's human nature mm -hmm. like to believe the first thing you hear uh or that if be formative have a formative idea of someone based on the first thing you hear. That's just how it is. Well, again, and then look at also, the also with oh no no ahead. you go you go you. I was also gonna say with the Felix support, he falls he falls into the same aggression that Felix projects on him. So he also he's not perfect. Like he's not perfect in the way he he and he goes into a place where his ideals and his kind of take over rationality to the point where he says he's gonna like murder children and women for if if Dimitri told him to mm -hmm. like it's ridiculous like that's not right that's that's ridiculous my dude so I, but that's because he, he aggression begets aggression mm -hmm. you know it's because Felix was coming at him and you know challenging him in the most demeaning way possible that he is pushed in the situation where he feels like he has to say these ridiculous things. Yeah. It's to justify his, his own ideals. I think even if they're wrong. Even though sorry, go, sorry, that's, that's No, 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 you go, you go. That's all I want to say. I'm done. <laughs> um as much flack as like, you know, characters get in, in Fire Emblem for being kind of two-dimensional or gimmicky, it's like Sometimes that one character trait does mean the world to someone and, and can really shine some light on on issues and stuff. And, and like you said, oh. with the do about like, oh, this is the first thing I've heard about you. This, you know, this is the God mm -hmm. honest truth. It's like, look at the way Internet culture is going nowadays where it's like, you know, people, the whole cancel culture thing. And it's like, holy shit, maybe we shouldn't be jumping down people's throats and just like wait to hear everything get more information and it's like why are we jumping down people's throats to begin with like why are we doing this to each other why are we creating this like very uneasy 
culture but at the same time it's like we need to we do need to hold people accountable to like mm. you know shitty actions and um <clears throat> a big thing too is that we all have very very limited life experiences that is very unique to ourselves and what we have gone through like you can't know everything you can't know how to act properly in every situation and sometimes like we just need to have a conversation about it yeah for sure and you know like you said with with to do and stuff sometimes all it takes is getting somebody else to explain themselves out of something like people need to have these conversations Mm. and sometimes you just need to do a podcast episode on genealogy of the holy war that's just life yeah that's right not (laughs) enough there's not enough podcasts on genealogy of the holy war Mm -hmm. everyone's talking about fire Emblem six and seven yeah damn uh what else what else can we say about those (laughs) (laughs) come on do you do you still stand by your statement that you don't think genealogy will ever get like a a remake of sorts uh, I just said that because I want people to play the game now. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Like, I'm sure that I said, I think I said nothing's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. I just said that because I'm tired of people acting like it is being made when there is absolutely zero indication of that happening. Mm-hmm. And there's no precedent of... Well, we have Fire Emblem 1, and then they made 3, then they made 2, so they have to make 4. Yeah. Like, Again, if, they if, made w- if you were yeah. like an exec at, at Nintendo or Intelligent Systems and stuff, like... I wouldn't make remakes anymore, because they don't sell. Yeah. I, Awakening sold Gangbusters, then Fates doubled that, then Echoes came out, <laughs> didn't really sell too well. Uh, and then Three Houses came out and doubled that, yeah. even. Why would we make remakes anymore? It was I don't still know. so odd when, like, the original Shadow Dragon came out localized. Like, it completely oh, yeah. blew me away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that, yeah, that's... People were more upset about the arbitrary special edition release thing than the game itself. Oh, it's great that it happened. Mm-hmm. Either way, uh, the discussion people gave Fire Emblem One a, a bigger, a better chance uh, in discussions. Like I feel like every time I brought up Fire Emblem One previous to that localization, and I said I enjoy Fire Emblem One more than Fire Emblem Eleven, uh, everyone like freaked the fuck out and was like, <laughs> was like, how can you say that? Fire Emblem 11 is just Fire Emblem 1, but so much better. And it's like, no, it's a completely different game. Yeah. They don't supplant each other. It's like, and now now it's like people are like, oh, yeah, Fire Emblem 1 is actually really fun. Yeah. Like, it, it's slow as fuck, unfortunately, because it's a Famicom game. But, like, as a game itself, it's a great fun. It's a fun romp. Um, and, um, yeah, I enjoy it more than I, I've played through Fire Emblem 1 three times. I played through Fire Emblem 11 twice. I don't like Fire Emblem 11. <laughs> I don't like any of the DS remakes. I really the uh, certain certain gameplay changes I really hate and I don't like I don't like how everyone feels like a pile of numbers and not mm-hmm. really like 
characters. I don't like how um, unrestricted reclassing is, and I don't like the arena, how exploitable the arena is. All these things I really don't like about it. Just isn't. It's just not my thing. I understand that pe- there's there's positives to all those things and that it make the game more fun for certain people. But for me, that's not really, it didn't speak to me. Yeah. I, I've, I'm on the same boat. I've never really liked the DS remakes. It, um, I, I did like a huge, like one of the biggest articles I've ever written was years ago. I, I ranked all the fire emblem games and it was like, I think it was like second last or something. Shadow dragon was, Oh, wow. Um, wow. What is that Second controversial? Last. I think so. <laughs> I don't know. No, people love well. People love the DS games for what they are. Like, I could get it. I get why they, but I don't know. It's I love personally. I love the art style of the DS games. Really, that's what I always yeah. see people say they don't like. I like I like Fire Emblem because it reminds me of tabletop Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. and that game had a really strong tabletop feel Mm -hmm. to it you know with the muted colors and and the game pieces and it just felt i love i like that aesthetic a lot so i know it wasn't accomplished in the best way obviously there were some choices that made it quite jarring um in certain ways but to me like the overall aesthetic i really enjoyed it I can't follow you for that, man. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious, based because I've given you a small hint based on our conversation. What do you think I put as dead last? Uh, when was this written? It was pre Three Houses, so like maybe dead last. Probably Gaiden. Oh, I I didn't do Japanese games. I only did... didn't do Japanese games. No. Okay. Um. I've definitely given you a huge, huge hint. <laughs> oh, oh, Conquest. I put Birthright. <laughs> birthright. Birthright. Yeah. Okay. And then... Yeah. yeah. I never played Birthright. It, so, it I don't know. was not my cup of tea at all. Yeah, I never played Birthright, never played Revelations. I just don't have any pull to play open map Fire Emblem games. Yeah. That's just not... I don't see the point. My number one was Radiant Dawn. Still, oh, sick. Still that's, that one, that's one of my favorites, yeah. yeah. That used to be my number two, but then I played Thracia, and then I played Conquest, and I like those games a lot. Yeah, I think they're all pretty close, honestly. <laughs> Genealogy is by like a, a football field. Way my my favorite. It's my favorite of all time for sure. Is there but, is there a big change between Genealogy and Thracia? Yeah, it's like it's Thracia is more of a traditional Fire Emblem game, okay. and it's basically what all the other fire Emblem, after fight that like all the other fire Emblems were based upon with um you know rescue and whatnot yeah um basically all the gba games all the radiant dawn talius games they're they're just they're they change things you know they change subtle some subtle things but they're essentially all based on the groundwork that Thracia laid out. And I give I give Awakening credit because it at least differentiated itself with the pair-up system 
away from from that. I think that was a, a big enough change that it finally broke away from the traditional Fire Emblem that we all know and love. And in my opinion, every Fire Emblem should be different. Mm -hmm. I don't want this series to end up like Pokemon, where it's just a rehash of the... It's just completely derivative of, of the first two games. Yeah. I want everyone to be completely different and experiment with the formula and you know, that's what I want personally. Although I would love a genealogy-esque like game that would return to that gameplay because I really do think it's like my it's my favorite um, concept uh, that I think it should have been explored more in some way, in some capacity. Then uh, my last two questions. Number one is because there is prevalent in quotation marks like rumors about the new Fire Emblem game coming out and that it could be a remake what do you think it would be um I don't know that's fair <laughs> I, man that's so fair Sacred Stones I, I would say really yeah because I think they chose Echoes not because it was like the, ne the next one of because they, they went from one to three so it's not really the next one mm -hmm. i think they chose echoes because it was an open map game and it appealed it would they th they felt like it would appeal more to the awakening crowd yeah um and i think they had to do the same thing for sacred stones and i think sacred stones is a more cut the most compact experience um it has the least amount of characters and it's the 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 um, characters are constantly winning the voting gauntlet, whatever mm -hmm. polls. They're constantly getting alts. It's one of the shortest so obviously they sell. games too, right? Yeah. So I think it would be a good one to make. Um, it's well-loved in the community. And yeah, and it's open map. So I think that one would be remade. Then uh, my last question, and you can get as in much or less detail as you want into this one is like what do you want the series to to do to go towards continue doing different things innovating i don't want thracia to i don't want genealogy to even though i said i did before but like <laughs> honestly i just want them to do different things i want them personally to stop emphasizing rpg mechanics because we can get that Try, stop trying to shoehorn this random growth game into something that's more consistent with RPG growth. Stop trying to make it into another Dissidia. Let Fire Emblem be a strategy game mm -hmm. and not an RPG on a grid. That's what I want. Um, there's plenty... L let people have more options with how they want to play the game but also give options to people who want a concrete experience. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, I just want... I just like... Because I think that's why people play these games. Maybe they don't realize it, but utilizing all the mechanics and feeling accomplished when you do it, it's a great feeling. Just great feeling. Um, and it's hard... To, you don't get the same feeling, in my opinion, if you just... If you have, like, these easy grind access points mm -hmm. so I don't know that's what I would want to do even if they don't do that even if they do do make it more RPG esque 
and like maybe do away with random gross altogether. I don't know. I still have the old games, and they're in, and they're endlessly replayable. So I don't really, I'm not really too upset. Yeah. With how how it's gonna go, I don't own the series. Nobody does. Let's let's see where it goes. Well, that's the thing and with with uh, even a company like Intelligent Systems is like I'm a huge huge Paper Mario fan. Love the old games, mm-hmm. hate the new ones. It's like I'll just go back and play the old, like old ones. It's fine that they didn't yeah. continue with the same design that I liked. I'll just go back and play the old ones. Well, I I think I I played Paper Mario when it first came out beat the game uh also super paper mario i i'm a huge super paper mario fan mm-hmm. i'm actually i actually don't really like a thousand years door that I, I mean it's good but again with paper mario i think that they should keep on innovating and i thought that paper Mar- super paper mario was like such like a cool innovation on rpg mechanics in a new way it was awesome, but the, I haven't played it. You know, I've heard terrible things about, you know, Sticker Star and Color Splash <laughs> and whatnot. I did, but actually, I did play Color Splash on Wii U, and I just didn't see the point. Uh, it was of this card system. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a bad example. <laughs> no, it, 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 it like directly ties into what you said about like not wanting. Yeah, but those games are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. They just they just try to shoehorn RPG yeah. mechanics into a game that yeah. is not an RPG anymore. Yeah. yeah. It, they did it well in Super Paper Mario. I like that yeah. they did in Super Paper Mario, but I just yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't really have much insight in Paper Mario series, but I I think Intelligent Systems wants to keep continually innovate on RPG design, and I think that them going back and just making another turn-based Paper Mario game seems kind of like they're never going to do that. Well, that you know. that's what they seem to be doing, right? Like it seems like they care much more about innovation, especially with even the recent news that like they're not the ones working on the Advanced War remake. Like they're mm-hmm. making Way Forward do it which yeah is, which is great yeah <laughs> way forward it's gonna it's gonna knock it out of the park i'm sure they're awesome yeah um yeah i i i think that intelligent systems just loves to innovate for innovation's sake yeah. uh, for better or for worse but when you get games like you know WarioWare going coming out it's hard to say like it doesn't result in some fun experiences yeah yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that Paper Mario is a bad example <laughs> of how I feel like they're just doing it just just to innovate. Unfortunately, yeah. maybe that's you know, like we keep on saying, it's all about uh, moderation is the key. Like innovate, but like don't just do it to be innovative. Yeah. Like do it because it makes sense and it's fun. You know. Thank you, Chaz. Thank you so much for doing this. It, uh, no problem. It was fun. Yeah, this has turned out way better than I could have ever hoped. Oh really? I, thought, I, I don't know. I I have a tendency to ramble and no, uh, I love I'm it. Like love it. Michael Scott, where I just say things <laughs> without <laughs> without like knowing what how it's gonna end and being like the one thing you have to remember above anything else, and then, <laughs> then blank. <laughs> At the end, you're like, anything else is just don't play genealogy. You're like, don't fucking yeah, play. Yeah, the that's game. what. 
That's what that's what I said. <laughs> TLDR. <laughs> Anyways, well, yeah. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to plug before you go? Uh, I'm working on a video right now that's that should be out when I feel like it. Mm -hmm. It's not Fire Emblem. It's about a Falcom game I really, really like. And it's very obscure. I should probably be trying to do more mainstream content, but I can't help myself. Yeah, and it's akin to my... Yeah, it's akin to my genealogy guide where it's just like teaching people how to play, but in a funny, entertaining way. It's, uh, that's the thing, though. Videos like that, like, let's say, literally, let's say it gets like 10,000. I don't think they exist. Yeah. It gets like <laughs> 10,000 views. Like, it could be yeah. so helpful to those people. You know what I mean? To, like, yeah, learn and get into like a game. That's why I like making guide videos yeah. because, because of that exact thing. I think, like, it doesn't really matter how many views it gets. It's like people will still continually come back to it, uh, whether it be for the information or just for the jokes. It's just like I like, I like that hybrid that developed from making three houses guides. Mm -hmm. I like, I like making guides because they're helpful. And like, who says you can't make them entertaining at the same time? You know. Oh, anytime I do a new playthrough on Three Houses, I go back and watch your video on um, skills, without yeah. a doubt. Because like I just like I for I forget about some stuff and put it. In That's my most viewed video now. People, <laughs> it's me. I'm it's all me, happy. baby. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I made a video about how how I was like so astounded that like Stevie got a made a video with like half a million views because there's like are there even half a million Fire Emblem fans you know like. <laughs> And then I made one, and then boom! Like half a million. Great. That's like, that's crazy to me. Yeah. I would never have dreamed of it. Of a Fire Emblem video. But I, I hope this, I don't think this video is going to do very well personally, but I don't really care. You know, it's just like I want it out yeah. there because there's nobody making content on this video game. It's like incredibly obscure, but it's also free, and I want people to play it. Yeah. All right, man. Again, thank you. It's been a joy. No problem. Uh, no problem. I'm sure, without a doubt, I'll uh, ask you to come back on one day. Cause damn. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah I'd love to. Um, but yeah, thank you for watching or listening, everybody. Nobody watches. We're not a video. Um, mm -hmm. I've been your host, Sterling Silver, as usual. Uh, absolutely no idea when this video is or like a video. Holy shit. When this episode is going to come out, <laughs> because yeah. uh, I just got back to like my full-time job. So, you know, life finds Good. a way. Yeah. All uh, right. So, yeah. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>